Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is number episode number 122, which is a very, very special show. We, we will be catching up with all the news from the club in the past seven days, including Steve Davis's sacking and the Dover game. But first... We are not alone this evening. We are delighted to have three guests joining us live at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers to help us co-host this episode. So two of our guests have been on the podcast before. We have one guest making his long-awaited Orient Outlook Podcast debut. So first of all, we are delighted to welcome back on the podcast, making his second appearance, Leighton Orient Chairman, Mr Nigel Travis. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to Secondly, be here. you love him. We love him. Everybody loves him. Please welcome back on the podcast, Leighton Orient Principal Investor and Vice Chairman, Mr. Kent T. And lastly, making his podcast debut, we are thrilled and honoured to introduce onto the podcast Leighton Orient Director, Richard Emmett. Welcome on, welcome on board. So let's start off with you, Rich. Um, tell us about yourself, because obviously we've heard from Kent and Nigel and, and people are sort of fairly familiar with with these two, so perhaps we could hear a little bit about yourself. So of anybody associated with the team, I am probably the newest fan, probably even newer than Kent. And uh, my association and affection for, uh, for the O's actually came from uh, my association with Nigel. And as you all know, Nigel is... Uh, uh, been a lifelong fan, and and his uh, his enthusiasm for a lot of things in life, but particularly for the O's, is is contagious. And I tell the story about uh, sitting in very important business meetings on a Tuesday afternoon back in Boston, and prior to that in some other cities. And uh, Nigel would be sitting at the head of the table, and we'd be discussing uh, significant issues. And Nigel would be engrossed in his iPad or his laptop, and I'm wondering what he's reading about, what important numbers he's reviewing, and then. All of a sudden, I would see him just sort of jump back in his chair, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what just happened in the company? What just happened in the world? And it took me a while to figure it out, but what he was doing was watching a stream of the O's game, and somebody had in the O's had probably just scored. So, so from that, um, you know, just listening to Nigel talk about it and, uh, and uh, starting to follow the O's a little bit, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, I did get infected. Uh, in a very good way, and uh, I love this team, I love the supporters, I love the entire organization, and I'm, I'm honestly very proud to be part of it. Amazing. So what do you make of the football scene over here, then? Is it different from the States? It is. It is different. Um, I think the biggest difference is the passion of the fans. Uh, there is a loyalty that begins with, uh, with most at birth. And while you do find that in some respects in some sports, American football, uh, in particular, uh, it's much more pronounced over here. And the fans will support their team. It's like family. It is like family. You know, if, they, uh, if they're doing well, they're highly supportive of the team. Uh, if they're not doing well, they know some corrections need to be made and they'll be very critical, but they're still highly supportive of the team. And uh, um, it's been fascinating becoming involved with the organization, but it's been just as fascinating getting to know the fans and to understand the culture. Uh, and uh, I have a lot more to learn, but from what I've learned, I love it all the more. And from, from an expertise perspective, you're on, you work with Nigel at, uh, at Duncan Brands, right? And I do, you're yes. in legal, head of legal and HR that's there. Right. So are you bringing that sort of expertise with you to, to the board? or? Well, hopefully that's one of the skills that I can, I can help the board with. 
Um, I also have involvement for, gosh, over 30 years now in dealing with boards and in being on boards. I'm on three other boards as well. So uh, um, boards look at things from a little bit of a different angle than management does. It overlaps considerably, but there is a little bit of a different angle. So, so hopefully I'll be able to contribute on that front and frankly on any other front that, the, uh, uh, that I can help the organization with. So basically, what have you all been up to since you've been in this week? Um, well, I only came in yesterday morning. So I've probably done the least. Rich came in the day before, and Kent came in on Tuesday, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came so, in Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. So um, <laughs> that day we're going to get to. We will come yeah. to that very shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just got in, went to my place in London, went to the game, went out for dinner with us all last night and some family and friends. It was a good day. And then today we went to see the women. Uh, we then went over to do the radio tonight, and we're here with you now. Very, pa- very happy to have you. And we got a board meeting tomorrow. Yeah, I think the other thing that we did uh, on Saturday morning, right after you arrived, is that I know you were in a hurry to get to the Lake Orient Trust uh, yeah. Board of Trustees meeting, uh, and the and the conversations that we were having with Neil about what we're going to do with the trust and how we interface with the trust and the and the common interests that we have with them and the, and the common objectives that we have with them. So I think, that was, I think that was really valuable for you to be there and appreciate you and Rich hurrying your schedule to get there early. I think that was really valuable. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think we said this on the radio tonight, but it, this is important stuff. I mean, we're in Leighton. I'll repeat for the third time, we're going to stay in Leighton. We want to be a very important part of Walton Forest's future. We seemingly have a very good relationship with the uh, with the uh, council yeah, the mayor was at the the mayor was at the yeah. game yesterday she, um, was at, she was there so they've got some terrific plans for the area and they see us as a vital part and i think they like us realize how important the club is to the area when it had a near death experience last year <laughs> so we we want to work with them and uh, it's interesting that one of the things that the um, leader of the ruling party, Labour Party, said, she sees diversity as very important, and that's something that I think is important to us. And diversity is obviously women, but it's also race as well. And I think one of the things we want to work harder on is getting some of the different ethnic communities in the borough involved in Lake Orient. So it's a rich culture. It is. It's a tapestry of all sorts of different... Yeah, and, you know, I'd encourage you, through the great work you do with the podcast, to, you know, give us ideas that we can embrace, because we think the stadium's got to be a major part of the community. I mean, and I don't think we've really got started on it yet, Um, and it's an underused asset. That sounds very business-speak, but it is, both commercially... And as part of the community, I mean, it's it's a great opportunity for clubs and um, organisations to use, and you know we'd love to have um, whatever ethnic group wants to come in and do something there. We'd love them to participate in our facilities and perhaps even try a game. And but we recognise that's not as easy as just saying it. It takes some work. Mm-hmm. Excellent answer. So, Ken, last time you was on the podcast, 
mm-hmm. you proclaimed that you'd fallen in love with Mason Ori quicker than anything else in your life. That's correct. Did your wife listen to the last podcast? Yes. <laughs> she did. How did she say that news? <laughs> well, remember, I had this conversation. I told her that before I left last time. It wasn't that I announced it on the podcast and she just found out about it. Uh, that would be a horrible way for her to do that. Um, she knows that I am... Uh, highly in love with Leighton Orient. Um, she, she can tell by the reaction over the last, uh, since September the 2nd, um, how, how deeply I feel for the club. So, uh, yeah, she's all right. She's all right. She's my wife. She knows I'm a little crazy, so it's all good. <laughs> she's had 25 years of the madness. Fantastic. Now, Nigel, you've gone from being a fan mm-hmm. to being the chairman. Mm-hmm. So now you're going from seeing one side of a football club to really sort of the business side of football is it what you thought it would be um i get asked that question a lot and i always answer it the same way it feels much more like running duncan brands okay which by the way i love doing that yeah. i mean absolutely we have we have interesting things to deal with every day and it's very similar because it's about people number one uh, number two, you talk a lot about marketing and odd situations, and uh, you know something different comes up every day, which means a lot of variety. I think I have to keep reminding myself I'm the chairman only. I'm not the CEO, which I am at Dunkin, and I think over the time I'll probably migrate to being just the chairman at Dunkin at some stage, and that's a, so that's a different role. Now we've had Marshall who we feel has done an unbelievable job. And as we said earlier tonight, without Marshall, we wouldn't be here, I think, because he filled a gap. Not only, not only filled it, but did more than fill the gap. He took it to a different level. And now we've got Danny coming on board, who I think is going to be terrific. And I think the key is that those two run the club, that's Martin and Danny run the club day to day. And I think it's essential we have those there because certainly the three of us are on the other side of the Atlantic. So um, I'm, I've learned not to swear at the referee anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't do that, no. And uh, so I've That's tried to be cool. a bit more... Tuesday night, uh, Saturday, you didn't? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, yes. How close did you get though? No, I didn't really get close yesterday. <laughs> it will happen, though. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, Waltham Forest Football Club, they're a local uh, club in Waltham Forest, and I noticed in the programme, and there's been a lot on, on social media about them, they've appealed for help to save them from their in a near-death experience like we were last year. Is there any plans or involvement to help them in any way that at all? Well, I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about it until yesterday, so I don't think we've really talked about it. Well, I certainly haven't, have you? We haven't. We'll talk about it tomorrow at the board meeting. Yeah. Um, We've had some initial conversations about what it means. Obviously, we've seen the news. Um, So what it could mean to the club, what it would mean to the community. Because we're community-focused, we're concerned about things that happen in the community, so we would be interested in you know, possibly being able to help or not, depending on who is the appropriate party to help. Um, I think there is a lot of different ways that we can help, maybe should help, but we have to wait and see how those conversations go. 
but we are going to end up having some conversations. I know that for a fact. Great stuff. Okay. Good Thank stuff. you very so, much. Let's move on into supporters club update. So two new trips to tell you about that are forthcoming. So this Saturday, 25th of November, the O's travel to Torquay. So coaches leave the supporters club at 8am for a 3pm kickoff. The cost of this one is £27 for adults and £24 for concessions. And on Saturday, the 2nd of December, the O's travel to Solihull Moors. And the coaches leave at half past eight for a 3pm kickoff. And the cost for this one is £25 for adults and £22 for concessions. As always, there's a £3 surcharge to non-members. And remember to make your own arrangements for your match tickets. So those prices do not include the match tickets. And you can book in two ways. You can book before or after any home game in the supporters club or on the travel line on 07722. One three five nine seven zero. Yeah. So speaking of the supporters club, you were in there yesterday. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming it was packed pre-match. I didn't get to make it post-match. I'm assuming it was busy post-match as well. Assuming that you were swamped with a deluge of questions and of opinions and of course of common course. themes. Of course. Everybody name? wants to know when are we getting a new manager? Yeah, we'll come <laughs> up to that. We'll come up to that. <laughs> I mean, but that's, but yeah, we. So what happens is, is that when Nigel and I and Rich are in town, we are constantly moving in and around the supporters club. So some of us are walking past the supporters club on our way to Sainsbury in order to get a sandwich, you know, for our lunch, right? So I notice that there's already people in the supporters club. Let me say this about the supporters club and about the supporters in general. Yesterday. I mean, uh, yeah, yesterday. It seems like it's been longer than that. Day. <laughs> um, they were fantastic. Uh, the support in the second half was phenomenal. And we love it that fans come early. Nigel and Rich and I went to the South Stand Bar. We go to the gallery. We go to the Olympic Suite. We walk the ground a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to have conversations with people. We want to meet people. And it's really, imp- and so we love it when fans come early. It's more difficult on a Tuesday night, which we're coming to. We want as many fans as possible to come out on Tuesday night. We understand that that's more of a show up late. I just got here for the match. Here we go. Let's get after it. But, you know, we make ourselves available a couple of hours before the match to make sure that we can have those conversations. After the match, of course, we have the man of the match presentation, and then we go through the whole reverse process where we go from the top to the next floor down and then out to the supporters club. Our fans are fantastic from this one perspective. They are super intelligent about what's going on. They know what's going on. It's not like, you know, I, 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 I wonder at times um, if there's anything they don't know <laughs> about the club. Mm. And so it's, that's a huge advantage for us that we have an extremely intelligent and well-educated, uh, you know, fan base. And engaged. It's very, and engaged. And so we love that. So the fan engagement that we get before, after, during, all of that, we love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, one of our desires down the road is that people get to the ground earlier. And we recognize that we have to do things like improve the catering and um, a few other things that uh, is a long list. Um, But we'd like to make, I think making this more of a community club means that people will spend more time there. Mm. 
And I think the supporters' club is a real hub of activity. Agreed. And and after after the game yesterday, I think it was terrific. I mean, we had just about every board member went in there. Matt didn't because he was working. Um, and then David Mooney came in. Um, and I think one of the many good things about Steve Davis in his time here was that people genuinely liked him mm-hmm. because he made himself available and went in there and. Uh, I think that's what this club's about. I mean, the other thing that encouraged me yesterday, I saw more kids upstairs in, I think, the Olympic suite than I've ever seen before. And that's part of one of our other goals is to try and bring along younger people into the club and make them feel it's their club. And I think the more we see kids, the better. Yeah, Yeah. they're the future. Great. Someone's saying something about that, I'm sure. But... um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, the Supporters Club, as you probably know, uh, Nigel, put on a Star Man Award. At the end of the season, they have the Star Man, so it's all the votes of the player of that game get totted up and they do a number of presentations. Were you guys, It's in Sunday, the 29th of, of April. April. Yeah. Will you guys be yeah. over here for that? I'm planning to be here. Can I make one request, though? Sure. I only thought about this today. Can we add a Star Woman Award? Good point. Well, the supporters club yeah. listen, so I'm sure they will. Yeah, I think that's I mean, absolutely appropriate. I, I think this is, you know, this is the way we've got to go. Kent officially on the board in charge of the women's liaison. So, um, but I think if we're to move the club down the way we want to, and diversity is very important. I think that's critical, and uh, they do a good job. And as I said earlier on tonight, you know, I was there today. It's probably fifty people. Love to see more people go out to Marlin Stadium. It's free. Well, I didn't pay. But it was free for everybody. Yeah, free for everyone. <laughs> so I think it'd be good because, you know, this is all part of building our future. Yeah, absolutely. I think going to say start podcast. Let's say thank you to my joint. Thank you very much. Okay. I know. Say, no. Brilliant. Yeah, Let's uh, move on. Maybe next I time. Mean, we, we, we took all the money from Phoenix FM. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So moving on then, another key um, integral part of the football club, which we've spoken about or, um, just, just briefly earlier, is, is the Leighton Orient Trust. And as always, we get uh, an update uh, from them. So uh, last Thursday, the club hosted around 100 pupils and staff from Redbridge-based Aldersbrook Primary School that attended our now annual Show Races and the Red Card workshop that includes a DVD presentation and interactive questions and responses. Yeah, so that event was for two hours uh, and it concluded with a bespoke panel of guests that talked about their own experiences and answering questions from the children and pupils. Alongside ex-professional Jason Lee were our own George Alicobi and Macaulay Bond. All children also received a signed team poster and a goodie bag courtesy of the SRTRC. Yeah, uh, prior to yesterday's game against Dover, the Score 3G uh, was host to 20 primary schools taking part in the local round of the National Trust's Schools Cup, a fantastic spectacle of junior schools football with the winners, Churchfield, now going on to represent Leighton Orient at the area finals next March, with the ultimate prize of playing against their northern counterparts in the grand final prior to the National League playoff at Wembley. Yeah, Is that Churchfield's from Woodford? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a lot of my friends at sort of Buckers Till. Where Barry also went, came from Churchfields. Really? Yeah. Wow, they're going to be representing us. Decent. Mm. Yeah, and to finish up 
The club are also pleased to continue to support the White Ribbon Campaign and are also collecting coats as part of the Wrap Up London Appeal. If you have a coat or two you'd like to donate, please drop it off at the score centre until after the Chester game on Tuesday night. Kemp, I think you were doing that yesterday. I tweeted about that tweeted yesterday. Tweeted about it. Yeah, I absolutely. Think I've seen a good uptake in coats there. It's Both of them, yeah. Absolutely. Club, club we're all there. very fortunate. I'm sure all of us yeah. have an extra <laughs> coat. I've got a few. be a little hard to bring them over. In the United States before no uh, before the date, but yeah, it's it's a worthy cause. It's a worthy absolutely. cause. Yeah. Absolutely. So the week that was in a very busy week for the Orient. So Monday the thirteenth of November, Danny Hap is voted the official Leighton Orient Player of the Month for October, following a poll by the club's main sponsor, Energy Bet. So well done to Danny. He's done really well. Big yeah. strapping young lad and a great great prospect for the club. Absolutely. And he's only 17 and still growing. Um, it's ridiculous. Energy Bet also ran a poll to find out the number one player of all time for the O's. And the winner was, surprisingly or not, Laurie Cunningham. Yeah. Because there's a lot of great XOs. So Laurie Cunningham, I thought, you know, from what I hear about him, he was a tremendous player. You didn't see him? I didn't see him, but from what I've heard about him, yeah. he was a tremendous player. He was. You so, Nigel, you're the only one in the room then <laughs> who would have seen him. Yeah, I mean... And all the other... <laughs> Many greats. Uh, yeah, I mean, Laurie was... I mean, he, he had something special about him from the start. I don't think any of us ever thought he'd go to Real Madrid, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of amazing. And then later on, we had John Chidozzi. Chidozzi. Mm. Um, so, now, we've had some terrific players, and I think when you think about some of the young kids we've got right now, like you mentioned Dan, I think we're going through a rich vein of talent yeah, again. Never been seen before, really, to have this many coming through no. the conveyor belt, and it's an absolute testament to the youth facility that we've got. But actually, mentioning Real Madrid, um, Laurie's son came yes. over, and we got an official mention on the Real Madrid to their millions Brilliant. of followers as well. So, could be something to, to tie up there. I mean, it, you can a, get a friendly, can you? <laughs> That's down to you. You should well, ask, ask Mr. Levy, the bearded legend. Yeah, I will speak to. Uh, <laughs> I'll speak to the CEO. You leave that to me. So pre-season, pre-season. So we're going to Madrid. You touched upon it. Danny Macklin started as his role as CEO of Leighton Orient. So Danny was the outstanding candidate. So why Danny? Obviously, we know he was at Southend, but what, what was the appeal about Danny? Well, I think, you know, we went through a series of interviews and we talked about interviews earlier on tonight about the process and we applied the same there. Um, I think we got down to, was it four in the end? Three. Three. And uh, they were all highly capable. But we thought Danny had the right personality, the right drive, right focus on the detail, which is important. I mean, he's been round the ground before he started, writing long lists of things. I mean, I was impressed. You and he were talking about the the, the trash bins in the toilets last night, weren't you? Yeah. About the size of the bins. I mean, his attention to detail is phenomenal, and I think that's really going to help us. So I think we all feel... Very excited about him coming on board. We're sure he's going to do great. Uh, and I think a demonstration of his application is he spent the whole week in Leighton last week and stayed in Leighton. Um, so I, I think he did three weeks' work last week. Really? Yeah, wow. I mean, that, that's a great start. Well, Ken, mm -hmm. you've spent more time with him. Yeah, I mean, spent every day and lunch and dinner with him each day. He has a tremendously, uh, he has a very high work rate. Um, I was getting emails from him at odd hours of the night, which I enjoy because <laughs> I was sending emails at odd hours of the night too. 
And uh, I think that Danny is just going to be fantastic because of his experience, his skill set, his attention to detail, and, and he will be primarily uh, and almost solely focused on the commercial side. Yeah, because yeah, Martin obviously looking after the yep. football side, Absolutely. usually the CEO balances both sides. Correct. So he'll exclusively look to increase Correct. commercial revenue, Correct. From, Correct. Uh, which hits on your point earlier, Nigel, about looking to increase income not only on match days, I guess, but non-match days as well. I'm assuming that would be something to explore. Yeah, we feel we've got a lot of untapped potential. I mean, the stadium, well, the West Stand is open every day. And we have to turn it on for people to work in the offices. And there's all that space upstairs, and it's pretty good space. Could, could there be improvements? Yes. And I know Marshall worked on, and I think it's in all the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. there, because I think that's important if you have meetings. But no, I'd like to encourage all your listeners, if they want to have meetings, dances, Christmas parties, christenings, Weddings. Weddings. Um, but mitzvahs, wakes. Yeah. You name yeah. it. You name host it. it. Yeah. You name it. Um, <clears throat> work functions. And I think particularly work functions and training. I mean, one of the things I remember doing a long time ago when I worked for Blockbuster, we had a meeting at Brighton Dog Stadium. And I couldn't believe how excited everyone was. I mean, it was fantastic. And we have our Christmas party in Boston at Gillette Stadium. Um there's a certain buzz about doing these things at stadiums. So, um, you know, I'd encourage all our fans, if they want to do a little bit more, bring your work function or whatever function. Mm. Sure. Because we've got a lot of space we can utilize. Yeah, we were doing the math yesterday. The West Stands, which is huge, but the stadium's X times larger than that, is utilized, is fully utilized only 25 days a year. Wow. So... There is a great opportunity to expand the usage of that facility, not only to generate income, but also for the benefit of the community. So uh, our encouragement is not just uh, to consider the facility being used for you know, the weddings and all those sort of things, but also for the, community, for the community to use it because we want it to be the hub of the community. Fantastic. And does Marshall leave the club or does Marshall stay in some capacity or does he just step back and let Well, Marshall's still on the board um, and I repeat again what a fantastic job he's done and I think his intention is to come in and do work one day a week. Um, And he's obviously got a knowledge base now that in terms of details is probably greater than ours together because Mm -hmm. he's been there every day. Oh yeah. And I just don't think people realise how much needed doing. And it's, and it's real grunt work. I mean, I mentioned earlier on tonight that we, he was there inserting players, players' account details to pay the wages through my bank account because we didn't have a bank account. I mean, we would like to have made even more progress, but we had to get, get to first base which was actually worse than most people imagined. I mean, most businesses you take over, they've usually got a bank account. They've usually got some kind of credit card processing. I mean, we had nothing. So why, why, why didn't we have a bank account or a, an, an ongoing credit card without getting into the ins and outs? Don't go too far into <laughs> I, the I don't, I, 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 I don't that's, understand. That's not what a podcast nor, is for. Nor, to be honest, nor do we. Right. But, I mean, we can speculate, but it, it's, it's academic. That's what we yeah, got. Yeah. Um, 
and then we also had really no players and uh, I, I think Martin and Marshall just uh, done an incredible job and it's only five months. Yeah, but it's easy to forget that, I guess, yeah. in, the, in the scheme of things. Um, we'll come on to Martin in a little bit. So Tuesday, the 14th of November, at around 8.30 in the morning, the club announced that Steve Davis had been relieved of his duties with immediate effect with Ross Embleton and Dean Brill taking charge of the first team affairs on an interim basis. Part of the statement read, the club would like to place on record our thanks to Steve for his endeavours during his time at Leighton Orient, but will now undergo a thorough recruitment process as we look to appoint a successor. And there was a quote, obviously, from Nigel Travis, but why read it when the man's here? <laughs> well, I use well name, it? yeah, and when I say things like that, it's, it's usually on behalf of the board. So, um, yeah, I mean, I want to say again, we fully supported the appointment of Steve. We were involved in it. Um, we really did think he was the right person for the job. Um, I'm sure if we went through it again, we might make the same decision, given the same facts, because he had a lot of great qualities. And I think the way he left and the statement he made is testament to what a great individual he is. Yeah. Um, it was probably one of the most difficult terminations I've ever been involved in, because Steve was such a quality individual. And by the way, it's not just us that think that, it was the players, um, it was all the staff, you guys? Yeah, I mean, we, we got to see him post-match and he was always very friendly, very very forward and always meet the manager. Yeah. He was absolutely yeah. superb with me at Meet the Manager. Uh, so, it was very sad and I like to say, as I said in the programme, you know, Steve Davis is welcome anytime he wants to come. I mean, he's, he's, he's a wonderful person. So, we've, we've really thought the run of results have gone on too long. And, and it's been interesting since, you know, I was reading about Tony Poulos today, how many games he's gone. So having gone through it and seen other situations, it makes you think, did we do it right or not? I think we tried very hard to give Steve as much. I mean, none of us wanted to do, to do it. And we were hoping every single game. This would be the turnaround. This would yeah. be the turnaround. And then we'll go on a run, which we truly believe would happen. But uh, it comes a point when you have to just say, I think enough's enough and we need to try something else. So what prompted that conversation then? What was it? I, mean, I know you said the games had gone on, but there came a point where it wasn't after five games or seven games or nine or ten, it was after the 11th game. So I guess why? Well, I mean, we didn't just kind of not exclude Steve. We talked to him, expressed our concerns. Martin did a very good job on, on this. And, you know, I think Steve knew where he stood and I think Steve realised it himself I mean he's a bright guy and uh, I personally thought we could win at Ebb's Fleet I think we all thought we had a chance and I think you said you thought we'd get a draw there so I think it was more you know we went through the same cycle again going down early couldn't get back into it seemed to do better at the end not many shots on goal Um so I think we decided then, and, and we always try and make our decisions in a very sensible, considered way. It was on Sunday, we had a call, talked about it, and we concluded that was the way to go and what we were going to do in the interim. So Steve 
put a message out, uh, or the club put a message out from Steve Davis, which read, it's with regret that I write this statement, but I wanted to take this opportunity at a difficult time personally to firstly thank Kent, Nigel and Martin for the chance to help build the foundations at the club under their stewardship and provide a platform for Lake Norrin to go on to bigger and better things in the future. Thanks also to my staff who worked tirelessly to provide professional and dedicated support trying to turn around results following a positive start to the season. To the players for their effort and enthusiasm every day on the training ground and finally to the supporters who have helped make my stay in East London very enjoyable. I've met some great characters whom I will never forget for their friendliness and support towards me during my stay. I wish the club every success in the future and hope it can achieve promotion back to the football league. Football league. I thought that was a touch of class there. It was, it really, well, it was really nice. And you don't get many managers that, that, that do that. I can't remember seeing it before, to be honest. Can you? Not often. Uh, no. I, no. I don't. There might be one, but you're talking nibbling a haystack type. I thought right? like Alberto Cavasin done a goodbye he did a video. video. <laughs> did he? But we, <laughs> let's leave that. But we, we won't go into that. that. Yeah, he did. So he looking, in, yeah, looking, looking forward then, the selection process <laughs> for a new manager. What is it and how involved do you guys get? Do you just hand it over to Martin and go, right, you look at all the applicants and you make a shortlist and you come to us? Or are you more hands-on than that? Or does Martin come to you and say, I want this guy and then you interview him? How does that work? Well, there's two parts to the process, of course. There's the announcement that it's occurred. And the announcement that it occurs causes a reaction from uh, you know the community of uh, current coaches and, and coaches who have uh, experience. Martin's already received over 50 applicants. Um, there's a there's kind of a two-step process, if you will, kind of at a basic level. The first step of the process is we have to establish the criteria by which the uh, uh, you know those get sorted. So we'll have a conversation about the criteria which we've had. We'll have more conversation about that at the board meeting tomorrow. Um, and then um, Martin will come forward with a, you know, a number of candidates. He may choose for it to be three, he may choose five, he may choose seven. I don't know how many he's going to choose. But he'll say, here are the people I think, <clears throat> I think best fit the criteria. The criteria will be too hard to match. <clears throat> Nobody will be able to come up to the criteria that we initially set. <coughs> so what will happen is, is that then we'll have a conversation um, and we'll go through sort of a loop, interview loop, back and forth with Martin. Um, and then we'll make that decision. And how long it's going to take, we don't know. Um, when it's going to happen, we don't know. When we will collectively as a board and Martin will say, okay, we've got the right person, we've got the right situation. Um, there are managers who are applying from literally all over the world, from every level of football, except maybe the Premier League, <laughs> that you can think of. I mean, I know Jose Mourinho's supposed to go after him, right? Yeah. They were winding us up on the forums, but... Um, <laughs> But that, but that, you know, that's kind of the process. It's a hiring process. Uh, we're going to be very thoughtful about it. We know we want to get it right. We'd rather get it done sooner than later, but we'd prefer to get it as close to being right as possible. Here's the thing that you have to understand. See, we believe that we made the right decision when we chose Steve, and the results didn't turn out the way we expected. What this shows 
is that we're willing to make a decision, move forward. If we get it wrong or if it doesn't work out, we'll make a new decision. And that's how you have to go about it. Um, there is no the answer. There is no the one, um, you know, from a managerial perspective. Our time frame is more of a longer time frame than just the next six months. Um, we would prefer to be engaged with a manager longer than six months, so 18 months at least and maybe even longer. That's what we hope. That's how we look at yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's interesting reflecting back on my time here. I was looking through our list of managers the other day, right back to first manager I ever saw was... I think it was, um, I've forgotten his name now, the guy who was um, temporary manager several times before Johnny Carey, who came in and took us to Division One. We, we've had a lot of managers with stability. I think back to George Petchy, yeah. Jimmy Bloomfield, and I think we'd like to see someone for some time. Um, I think football's a tough game. I think it's tough to see people like Eddie Howe be there for many, many years, but you know we'd like to have someone for several years because I think stability does build up some kind of level of confidence and you learn as you go. And I think probably overall there's too much turnover in the football world. Hmm. I think we'd probably all agree with that. So I think we've got to work really hard at making the right selection. I guess there's no one key requirement really, is there? There's a, there'll be a whole mix of Mm -hmm. things you know ingredients that make up the right person there are, there are. cool so we've had, we've had a lot of conversations about the criteria list and I bet it changes almost by the minute doesn't it uh, it normally changes as soon as Marshall goes out and does statistical research <laughs> <laughs> no that's no good there's too many of those in that box no don't like that <laughs> um, so just our views on that then and, and I'll, I'll kick yeah, off um, it was coming really wasn't it um, never like to hear someone lose their job and as, as Nigel said in the um, in the club statement results haven't been good enough and we were too close to the bottom four the team never looked confident or organised in games and this is probably why simple and basic errors were being made by the players changing the formation several times in a game isn't helpful in my opinion I can't imagine they practised all those formations in training either classy message from Steve and I personally wish him all the best for the future and hope he's back in football very very soon yeah nicely done for me unfortunately I think we saw this one coming as we said on last week's podcast I think we ran a poll on 88% of the 500 votes said it was time for Davis to go uh, the team seemed to slump in form with no signs of a turnaround with a large amount of fans calling for his head Steve was shown the door he was unfortunate with injuries yes but I think that happens at every club and every manager has the same injuries to, to key players it's just how you get around it um, and some of his lineups and formations at the time didn't really do him any favours. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Steve post-match. He's a lovely guy. I think everyone has said he's a really nice guy. And like you said, hope to see him back in football soon. But I think everyone was kind of unified in thinking that that was the right choice. So obviously, a massive outcry on social media. We like to mention as many tweets as what we can. We won't mention everything that we got because otherwise this would be about a four-hour podcast. But we do have a selection of what we have. Yep, so Nickel Mighty 79 tweeted saying, I thought they would give Davis until the end of November. The club gave him time to put it right, the, the correct decision. Yeah, at Boats he said, sad to see Steve go. Assure he was appointed with the best intentions of getting us into the top seven, 
but not winning the game in 11 in a poor division is not acceptable. Let's hope we get the right man in this time. Uh, Ian Manny Rennie John said the correct decision. Respect to the board for making it. Nobody wanted to make a change this early, but needs needs must as the devil drives. Yeah, Chaz Porch says with the recent history of managerial changes until a month or so ago, I was very wary of sacking Davis, but ultimately. This was the right decision. At James O'Hagan says, whilst a man losing his job is something that shouldn't be celebrated, which is an absolutely spot, spot on point, this was necessary to save the season before it got too late. Yeah, Soph underscore Rosie underscore TFB says, no sentimental appointments. We need experience of this league and someone who knows what they're doing. I like lots of Eric's players, but not for our manager. What's needed now is someone with a decent record at this level. At the authentic Gaz said, sad that it didn't work out for Steve Davis at LOFC. He seems like a genuinely nice bloke. We have to move on though, and his next and the, sorry, and this next appointment is also very crucial. Good luck to everybody involved in the decision. Yeah, Essex of Biz said, sadly, the right decision. A lovely bloke, and I'm glad it didn't work out for him. All the best for the future, Steve. We move on. This is definitely the most important appointment in the club's history. So no pressure, gents and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, every 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 manager appointment is the most crucial manager appointment, no matter where you find yourself. If a uh, manager is replacing a side that's at or near the bottom, it's a crucial appointment. If you're in the middle, it's a crucial appointment because you have the hope of being up. And if a manager, for whatever reason, leaves when you're up, it becomes really crucial because you got to stay, stay up. Yeah, it's never easy, yeah. um, and we know it's crucial. We're going to be very thoughtful about it. Martin is going to be very thoughtful about it. Fortunately, we have distinguished ourselves as a club worthy of extremely talented uh, managerial talent. And what that means is that we have a selection process that will allow us to select what we think is the best candidate, even if that candidate is already sitting in the chair. So everybody needs to remember that Ross has 20 years of experience. He's young, he's dynamic, he knows the players, he knows the club, he, you know, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of potential. Now whether this is his time or not, don't know that yet. But let's not forget that Ross is a possibility if he decides he wants to be a possibility too. So what I'm saying is we have a lot of great options mm. depending on where we decide to go. Maybe we won't choose perfectly again. Uh, football teaches us that our decision will probably be changed within the next four years or five years. So again, we're gonna do the best we can We'll get right the best we can. It's going to be okay. Well, I think we'll with, be the, all right. with the exception of Arsenal, I think no no other team has really held on to a manager of recent time, other than Alex Ferguson at Man U. No no play no clubs even at the top of the top of the you know echelons of football keep managers for that long. I understand. There's a, it's a yeah. massive revolving door. Right. So it's and never, Alex nearly <clears> left <throat> in his first year. He oh, did, that, and he had one game to save his job. And, that, and that's not in the, and that's and that is independent of the fact that we call it football. We could call it American football, American basketball, American yeah. baseball, hockey, okay. cricket. I don't know about cricket. Do they have managers in cricket? Well, they have coaches. Coaches. <laughs> yeah. coaches. Yeah, I'm going to hear that one. I'm gonna and, that and one. Da da Danny and I had a good chat about the new Essex but, coach yesterday. Yeah, but you but you have you have national cricket coaches, right? County, yeah, but you also have county. Yeah, but I mean, but you're, you have a national... 
Yes. It's the national the team, England. right? They're yeah. playing Australia for the Ashes and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. How often does that manage or that coach turn over? Probably every three years, I'd say on average. Just asking. That's oh, just no idea. I'm no just idea. saying it's a turnover business. Yes. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, so just to finish off with a, a few more tweets that we had in, Charlie underscore Paul said, the decision should be the new CEOs and the owners and them only. No need for Ling to decide the manager. However, he should be part of the interview process to give advice, but not to make the final decision. Yeah, LOFC 1978 says the correct decision. I'd say get in a man with non-league experience for six months until the end of the season, show up the defence for starters and look to recruit in January. Review the position at the end of the season when more managers will be available. Paul Staines, 86, said, Need a defence that can defend, both as a unit and as individuals. The new manager needs to kick every player up the bum and tell them to man up and fight for the club. So a manager that takes no BS and is hard as nails would be perfect. And I shan't abbreviate on what BS stands for, so if you're not sure, ask me afterwards. Yes, at down underscore south says, It's time to get fully behind Ross Embleton and the squad. Stop slagging off individual players during games and on social media and get behind the team to a build into the second half of the season. So thank you for all your tweets. You can tweet us at any time, any night or day at Orient Outlook on Twitter. So we had lots of names come in. You want to comment on one of those? Yeah, come on. You had kind of a reaction. Go. I just thought I would um, ask. Thank oh, you. Yeah, I missed it. Actually, I think. What was the first one? Um, no, director of football should be involved oh, yeah, and yeah, not I mean, make the decision. Oh, from I Charlie underscore Paul. vehemently disagree with that. I mean, this is Martin's job. Now, I believe in what I call the challenge culture. Um, and, you know, we will all have a view of it and we'll all be involved, as Kent described very clearly earlier on, and Danny will have a role. But that's why we have the director of football. I mean, he is the expert on the football side. Dan is the expert on the commercial side. So it will be his decision. So so I think that shows a lack of understanding about what we're doing. We've got two people who report into the board, and, and that's necessary because we're on the other side of the world, all three of us, and we want people who can run the club day to day. It doesn't mean we don't talk to them regularly, we do, but they have to be highly competent and one is on one side, one's on the other. And will there be some crossover? Sure, but we need clear accountability. Brilliant, and I hope that explains uh, the point there to Charlie. On what other podcast do you get the chairman coming back on a single tweet? So thank you Nigel for explaining that. So, yeah, Charlie Paul. Yeah, Charlie Paul. So loads of names uh, tweeted to us. We're going to go through what came in and it's just to get some names out there. We don't agree with all of them and some of them. That's a disclaimer. So, <laughs> should we alternate them then? Yeah, go on then. Martin Allen, Matt Lockwood, Gary Alexander, Stroke John Mackey, Danny Webb, Omar Risa, Justin Edinburgh, Jay Saunders, John Steele, Graham Wesley, Simon Grayson, the Cowley Brothers, Chris, <laughs> Chris Kinnear, Ross Embleton, Ronnie Moore, Russell Slade, Daryl McMahon, Gary Hill, Steve Carson, Adrian Whitbread, Richard Thomas, Richard Moon. So, those are all names that have come into us. Some people are, I don't know what they smoke when they before they tweet us something sometimes. Like, the Cowley brothers are, are not going to come. Simon Grayson's just left Sunderland, he's not going to come. John Steele's at Dagenham. There are, there are a number of names on there who are highly qualified. Yeah, a lot we of them. We are yeah. extremely fortunate as a club to be viewed as an excellent managerial yeah. destination. We are extremely fortunate we will get a very talented manager. Mm. We are very excited about that. We're very excited about that. And we're very blessed to be able to be a part of a club 
where you can read names like that and some of those names are very serious about being our manager. So it's it's fantastic that it's fantastic that you know and there are some names that are that I that maybe didn't get mentioned that are also very serious about it that that would want it pretty bad. So we're very blessed, very excited, very fortunate to be uh, you know a part of the club that we are. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yep. Tuesday afternoon, the development team were in action uh, away to Chelsea at Cobham and suffered a narrow one 0 defeat. Now we never like to see those lose, but one 0 away to Chelsea at Cobham. That's not, not bad. That's not a bad result. Apparently they played quite well. I mean, I don't know much about the game. Do you? No, not not much. But Martin said Martin was they there. played well. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. see us play Chelsea in the friendly yeah. as well. Good, yeah. good high price. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, George Sessions reported that youth goalkeeper Arthur Janata has joined Romford on loan, and Teddy Perkins has joined Grays on loan. So it's mm-hmm. good to see the youth getting out and getting some some correct. experience. Yeah, correct. Good experience for those young men. Wednesday, the fifteenth of November. So Martin Ling was interviewed by Charlie Longley. It's a really long article, but well worth reading. I think you noted some of the key points out of there. Yeah, he said, this is not a decision we want to rush, speaking about the new appointment. And we're currently in the phase of receiving a whirlwind of emails and phone calls with people showing their interest in the position. I'm not going to put a timescale on the next appointment, but we will most certainly do our due diligence and look to see where we may have made any mistakes in the previous appointment. Um, for me, I'm not sure there were mistakes made, because on paper, Steve had the right pedigree. He had a promotion out of non-league on his... CV. He'd worked wonders at Crew. So for me, um, working on a tighter budget, I thought he was, for me, ticked an awful lot of boxes. So on paper at the start of the season, I think I don't think you would have. For me, that wasn't a mistake. Appointment. Um, I think it depends on how you parse the word mistake. Uh, Any time that uh, us as human beings don't get what we expect, um, we consider it a mistake. And so we didn't get what we expected. The results are living proof of it. They're very clear. They're written down. They're for the world to see. I know because my mother reminds me of what they are. So, you know, whether it was a mistake that we hired Steve or not, it's something that didn't work out and it was something that we had to correct. So, you know, just I think that's just the way you parse the word mistake. Sure. Um, Martin goes on to say, as is the case in any walk of life, you've got to look in the mirror and see where we are held responsible rather than passing the blame over to somebody else. I'm very much about the collective and collectively we will come to the right decision by ensuring that no stone is left unturned and possibly, for me, I think that's possibly the first <coughs> paragraph in the interview, being thorough, accountability, like you said earlier, and, and, and all taking responsibility. And I think Ken said this earlier, we can't jump to a decision. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that one. Well, and who's responsible for the results? All of us. All of us. Yeah. So All of us. Uh, us. When we say us, we mean not necessarily you two, but us. The board is responsible, right? Martin's responsible. The staff's responsible. The players are responsible. The coaches are responsible. Everybody is responsible. It's not just Steve that was singled out to be responsible. We're all responsible, and we're all asking ourselves, what could we have done? What should we have done? What can we do better in the future to make sure that we're not in that same situation again? So that was a quote there from Martin before. So Martin's mm-hmm. come in for a bit of criticism from certain fans uh, about his appointment with Steve Davis mm-hmm. and the signings. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say to, to fans and people criticising Martin Lee at this, at this moment in time? Okay, so uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very clear um, um, that uh, Martin did a remarkable job given that we got the club on the 22nd of June we were less than two weeks from pre-season training. 
I think we've got a squad, I said this to the players yesterday, we've got a squad that in my view is, you know, my view may not count, but in my view, as a fan, is better than what we had last year. Absolutely. Um, so, he achieved that. We always, Ken just said, supported the Steve appointment. It was unanimous. Um, and I think if you'd asked us at the end of September, where we're going to, sorry, the end of August, where we're going to be, I think we would have said we were ahead of expectations yep. and we would be halfway through the season, even better. I think even Steve said, didn't he, see what we're going to be after like 10 games. Yep. So um, I don't criticise Martin. I think Martin's demonstrated that he's willing to learn and try and delve and find out what he could have done better. And that's all you can do. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pleased that he's introspective about it because we should all be whenever something that isn't planned happens. I mean, my football team's just lost despite getting back in the game. <laughs> they should be introspective about why they lost. That's his American football team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with regard to uh, the criticism of Martin, you can, and this goes back to what Kent was saying earlier, when you're going through the interview process, you mentioned earlier, Steve checked all the boxes. Checked a lot of the boxes at least, right? Yeah. So you look at that. You look at, does he have the experience, the leadership skills, can he fit in culturally, and oh, by the way, we're under a time crunch with three weeks until the season starts. I can't say that the process was necessarily wrong or broken. Maybe it was, and that gets into what Martin said about being introspective and looking in the mirror and seeing, you know, how do we go about it last time? What did we look for? What corrections or deviations do we need to make from the way we did it the last time? But uh, you may rest assured that we will take, we will be looking at all the criteria again to make sure they're right. We will be looking at all the candidates to make sure that they match the criteria or match the criteria as best we can and come up with the best person that we can find. Not going to do it fast. We're going to do it right. I don't fault our fans for being critical. They are critical because they are either in pain or they're in fear. Hmm. And they're in pain because we're not winning. And they're in fear because they don't want to go down three times out of the last four years. It's fine that they're critical. We want them to be critical. Uh, there's a difference between being you know, unreasonably critical and just being critical. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with being constructively critical of any of us, any of us involved in this in this club. So the criticism, you know, some of it um, is constructive, and some of it Martin can take and integrate into the <coughs> you know the next few things that he does, and all of us can look at that. So I don't mind them being critical. Uh, you know, there's you know there's just the difference between being unreasonably critical and being critical. So if they're critical and they're offering suggestions on how to do it better, no problem. I think, I think one of the good things is most of the comments I read are constructive. Yeah, me too. I mean, at work, I gave up years ago following the Yahoo Finance message boards or DunkinSucks.com, which every company has in the States. Really? Yeah, because I mean, it's just complete nonsense. Uh, but our fans, as Ken said, they're usually intelligent, thoughtful, and 
sometimes I think, well, yeah, that's a really good idea. Correct. Or that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll take a break slightly, veer off pace from the week that was, and we'll go into a bit of ad hoc mm-hmm. activity for the audience because there's been quite a bit that, that you guys have been doing. So I guess the first thing to mention is uh, there's a bit of a relationship developing uh, in the US with a club by the name of Wellesley. I said yeah. that right? Yeah. So I, you know, my two younger kids, who I think a lot of fans know, Brooke and Ian, they play in the Wellesley United Soccer uh, System, which plays in a league called Boston Area Youth Soccer. Um, and we decided to try as an experiment, could we pick up fans in a different country in large numbers? So we decided to sponsor, which costs money, uh, Wellesley United Soccer. Now, Wellesley, the season, they have two seasons a year from September through November and then April through June. We decided to sponsor Wellesley and the idea is to get the 1,957 kids and their parents interested in Leighton Orient. And and some of the things we're talking about is if they come to Lake Nor- if they come to Lake Norient from Boston, they get a free ticket. They will sign up and get shirts and because Americans love gear far more than probably we do over here. Um, we've also uh, we've got a supporter. We've got lots of supporters volunteer to do things. Chris Wood is writing stuff every week for them. He actually lives down on the south coast. Doesn't come to many home games. But he's going to Torquay this week. Um, Danny's going with him. Um, and the idea is to build up an interest. We want them to start buying gear for Christmas. And then early in the new year, we're hoping we're still going to get National League permission on this to do streaming like they do in the Football League. And it was interesting, Jesse, you probably met them as well. There's two gentlemen from Sweden. And I talked to them about the streaming. And they were absolutely ecstatic at the thought of being able to see every late Norian game. So we're working on that. We hope to get it going by the new year. We did hope to have it much earlier, but there's been all kinds of technical issues, one of which, interestingly, was the size of some of the grounds we go to. So the whole idea is to build up an engagement because we want Orient to be a much broader club. Obviously, we want to build up the commercial side. It may fail. You don't ever know until you try things. I was thinking earlier on, you know, doing the podcast for the first time, you probably... Wasn't sure it was going to work, but we, we had to limit the first podcast to thirty-two minutes because we were recording on an app, and thirty-two minutes was the absolute limit you could go to. Nowadays, thirty-two minutes doesn't get you past so, Tuesday. <laughs> so I think this is important, and I've already had several people say they want to come. I had someone the other week who came over, found that we were away, so she was going to go and see the women's game. Uh, I mean, I I think this is a big idea. We don't know if it's going to work, and if it works in Wellesley, we'll spread it. You mentioned streaming, so is that international streaming or is it's that UK? international streaming only, but we have talked to the National League about the idea, which I was kind of surprised how enthusiastic that they were, about doing streaming of, say, Tuesday night games when the game is 200 miles away. Um, at the ground. At the ground. Mm. I mean, I think it's, I think they will at least let us test it. Um, obviously, if we're about to play Dagenham Redbridge, I think that's yeah, a bad idea yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. If you've got guys away on a Tuesday night, yeah, Gateshead, like, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they've probably never been approached about anything like this before, have they? No, I, was, I mean David, who is my son, 
and our media expert, he, he and I actually had this call with them and were kind of shocked how enthusiastic, because I think they think this may be the future. I mean, the National League and all leagues need more fans, and I think the engagement of fans is seeing the team. Now, I don't think we're ever going to be able to see every game at home because of obvious reasons. But on a Tuesday night, when it's a long way away, I think we get very few fans. Though our fans are fantastic, I should say that. I mean, the support is great. It it's is unbelievable. In the, in the thousands. So thank it? you. But for a lot of people, it's just impractical to leave work and go up to Gateshead. And I think we've probably, I don't know, you probably know better than me, how many people will we get? Three or four hundred turn up to yeah. see the game? Yeah. Yeah. Two, yeah, a couple of hundred, definitely, Yeah, I think. I mean, would you have it in the um, in the West End or in the Supporters Club? Or I mean, obviously, well, to be confirmed, I'm being a bit p- p- picky, but, you know, depending on what sort Depends of size space you've got. Is. You yeah. could have it in several places. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. idea. The Tuesday night away game right? is a very good idea, actually. Luckily, though, for Tuesday nights for, for us, we haven't got any uh, one or two away games this season when usually... When we were in the Football League, yeah. remember we got pitted away at Carlisle United literally almost every season. We'd have Carlisle away yeah. on a Tuesday That's night true. in November or December. Who's going to do that journey on a Tuesday night to go to the other end of the country? Well, people do. But people did, like 100 people, 80 hardy souls did it. But if you can then get the game streamed live back to the ground, I'd go. Yeah, all day long. I think I'd also like to see, and we haven't asked about this, In in if you go to... <laughs> Any games in the States, obviously you can see the game live as it's being played, and there's TVs everywhere. Okay, let's take it in small steps. I'd like to be able to show the replays at half-time and at the end of the game. Let's start there. So I think the fact we've got the material, I'd like us to get permission to show that. Now, there are issues with BT, but I think one of the things I'd like to think that we could ask is can we just try this as an experiment because the fans would like like the end of to yesterday's game would would like to see whether that ball went over the line or not having seen it five times it didn't but at the time you don't know well my son who was watching it my 12 year old in boston phoned me and said dad that was definitely over the line <laughs> uh, and then i watched it after the game with Charlie, and it definitely wasn't. Is right? that when you swore at the referee yesterday? <laughs> I did swear. That? <laughs> I, I have to swear in my... I, I swear more at him at work. <laughs> no, that ball didn't cross the line. No, it didn't. No, it was close, but it didn't cross yeah. the line. The no, guy so put his foot out, didn't he? Yeah. So, so two great developments with the club and two things to yeah, keep an eye on. Them we we want to make this a club that's forward-looking. I mean, another thing I'd like to think we're working on... and. Fans can help us with this. We'd like to have some sponsors that are really looking down the road. I mean, I had a conversation this week um, with Bose. I mean, you know, I think they're a company that's really at the cutting edge of speaker development. Um, So there may be other people like that. I mean, we'd love to have, for instance, Tesla or someone like that. Mm. So you've got the Docklands just down the road. Yeah, I mean all those companies there, HSBC, Citigroup, and, and there's a whole pile of them. And Marshall's made some good links with some of the companies out by the Olympic Stadium. You know, yeah. with the Evil Empire there. Um, <laughs> oh no, that's the Yankees, isn't it? But can we call West Ham the Evil Empire? You can call them whatever, call them whatever you, want. you like. Yeah. yeah. 
just they don't swear as a family. Yeah, they lost two nil in the championship very soon. So okay, so we'll keep you posted on those developments. <laughs> Stick the knife in a bit harder and twist it a bit. Um, yeah, so just very quickly then, because Nigel and Rich, we know you've got to shoot off um, Thursday, the yeah, 16th of Thursday, November. Yeah. Late Orient Trust won an award. Uh, they were nominated for and won Best Physical Activity and Health Project for the Man V Fat Programme at the Waltham Forest Feel Good Sports Award. So just really wanted to say well done to everyone. Kent, you were there. Um, tell us about that evening. It was fantastic. Uh, Phil was beaming when he walked up to yeah. uh, accept the award. Took a picture of him. Um, uh, in addition to the camera people that were there, I took a picture of him and uh, and made it available to him. So it was a fantastic night. It was a great community event. Um, and like you said, we have a tapestry of culture in the borough. And it is it is fantastic. It really was. It was a great night. It was so a great night. We mentioned the trust at the beginning of the podcast. And I guess just to get final thoughts from Nigel and Rich, the trust do a lot of amazing work. How important is it that the trust keep going out into the community for the club and keep trying to attract new fans and get themselves in the scene as like on being a community club and a, a member of the, of the community? I think, um, well, certainly one of the things that I didn't realise until we got the club was just how much they do. I mean, I've been a bit detached for a few years because I've been living in America. But when you get into what Neil and the team that does, it's fantastic. And I think... The reason we've established so far, very, and I believe it will continue. So, but when I say so far, it doesn't mean it's going to change. A great relationship with Waltham Forest is through the work we do with the trust. Um, I think everyone has to give back these these days, and I think if you're a community club, which we think we are, that's absolutely critical. Um, I think the work they've done in all kinds of areas, everything from prisoners to young people, to the healthy. The fat thing that you're just talking about is is, is fabulous. Mm. Um, Marshall is our full-time board member on the trust. Uh, no one could lead with more enthusiasm and knowledge than Neil. I mean, he does an incredible job. So I think it's very important. And as I said earlier, we want to be a major part, and I think the council does, of leading Waltham Forest forward in the years to come. And they've got some bold plans that we'll be right at the heart of, and I think that's really exciting. And at the meeting the other day, one of the many topics that we touched upon in, at length was the importance of the trust and LOFC being partners, that we can help them in terms of their relevancy and in terms of what they can accomplish for the benefit of the community, and they can help us as well. And the more that we work together, the stronger both of us will be. So I guess this is the moment in the podcast where we have to let two of our three guests leave. So we are saying goodbye to Nigel Travis, who has to get the car back, and he has to drop Rich off first. So thank you very much to Nigel Travis and Rich thank you very much. That's the bad news. The good news is that Kenzie is staying in Leighton and is staying for the entire podcast, so we have at least the next two hours. Can I edit whatever he does, right? Go on. No. 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 Oh. <laughs> So moving on then to Mooney Friday, the 17th of November. Late in the afternoon, the club released the following statement that says, The club can confirm that defender Jamie Sendles-White has been reminded of his roles and responsibilities of being a professional footballer at Leighton Orient Football Club. This comes following the incident which took place after the full-time whistle of last weekend's fixture at Ebbsfleet United between Jamie and a few supporters. 
As a result, the defender has received a written warning as well as being instructed to represent Leighton Orient at the next four community events to remind him of the values of the club. I like that the club responded to that. I feel like they made the right decision there. And yeah, I think Jamie has to accept what, what, what he has coming there. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I've seen a bit of the footage. I've heard more about it from other fans. It, it, you know, he's a young man. He's made a mistake. It's been dealt with by the club, and that's for me. That that's good enough. Kent, what do you? We have a code of conduct. We have a reason that we have a code of conduct. It doesn't just apply to the players. It applies to the coaches. It applies to the staff. There is a code of conduct for the board. You know, it is unfortunate that we have these kinds of situations. My request of our fans is that they become and be extremely supportive of our players, no matter how much they wish they may play better. And, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. Uh, we're going to give second and possibly third chances, depending on how grave the mistake is. In this particular case, it wasn't that grave of a mistake. It's not nearly <clears throat> as bad as what Ling did one time. So What did he do that one up. time? You can figure it out. So, um, so yeah, because Martin... Uh, told me about it in his office one day. Okay. So anyway, but, um, you know, so those are, you know, these are situations that happen. Uh, we're in the heat of battle or it's right after the heat of battle. We haven't played as well as we want to, haven't gotten the result that we wanted. Uh, there may be some things said or done on behalf of the fans or on behalf of the staff or on behalf of the players. And we just have to remind ourselves that we hold ourselves and we hold our club to a higher standard. And that's what it's about. Brilliant answer. Amen. Thank yeah. you very much, Kent. So moving on into Saturday the 18th of November. So in the morning, the under-18 started the day off with a thunderous 6-2 away win at Southend United. Three goals in the first eight minutes helped them on their way with the goals coming through. Rul Satoriu, Sam Dorby, Jaden Phillips bagging the double, big Mason Hall scoring from a nice header, and an own goal. So I can't remember the last time I saw six goals from the first team, so... Well done to Danny and the youth. Amazing, yeah. Brilliant result. Absolutely. And obviously, as we alluded to earlier, the youth are the future. So they're really, really vital. And it's really great that we've got this conveyor belt coming through, right? Yeah. And they're on a cup run too. So next, you know, this next Wednesday night, um, they're going to they're gonna play again. I wish I could be here. I, I have to get home uh, for some previous commitments. But, you know, we wish them all the best. And they are playing very, very well. Yeah, yeah, doing very are. well. Yeah, playing very well. And players like Ross Satori have already played in the first team. Sure. Sam Dorby and was Dorby. there last year. Yep. Yep. And obviously they've got Danny Webb who managed a point last year. Yep. What are your impressions of Danny Webb? What, what, what do you think of Danny? <laughs> well, I have a number of inside jokes. I got to sit next to Danny at a staff uh, dinner one night and uh, Danny Webb and I get along fantastic. Uh, Dean was sitting across the table from us. And we had quite a conversation about, uh, about Danny's cooking skills. So, uh, you know, he, listen, he is, he's very knowledgeable. Um, he's very skilled at what he's doing. I think he's doing a fantastic job with those young men. We've been out there. Nigel and I have been out to watch games. Uh, we happen, I, you know, I happened to be here uh, for a cup uh, game the other night when I was here last time. And we just think that Danny is doing fantastic work. Uh, developing young men is what we're after. When we get great players, that's the best. But we are trying to develop great young men. And you've seen through Stephen Alzate, now at Premiership Club Brighton, Tristan Abrahams, 
at Norwich. Yeah. There's a few mm-hmm. who've gone on to yep. There'll be a few much more. bigger clubs. And who's it? Victor signed for for Barnsley. Victor Bayejo going Victor to Barnsley. Yeah. So yeah. we are we are churning out now some championship level players and, and potentially the, Premiership. And, and we have a number of players uh, who are young who are available to us on the first team who come in and make a big difference. And I won't mention any specific names, but y'all all know the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Great. So, so note to self though, we have to get Danny Webb on the podcast to get him to talk about his cooking skills. <laughs> as Ken said, yeah, cooking skills. Yeah. No Sorry, problem. Dan, you've been grassed up there, mate. <laughs> um, we entertained in the afternoon, high flying, top of the table, uh, Dover Athletic team lined up with Charlie. Or team was announced at two o'clock. Charlie Granger in goal. Caprice, Sendles White, Happy, Widdowson with Lawless Clay, Dayton, and McEnough and Brophy and Bon up top. Uh, subs were Sergeant Ellis, Westbrook, Mooney and Harold. Yeah, at 2.33pm, the club tweeted that goalkeeper Charlie Granger has suffered a hip injury in the warm-up, meaning that Sam Sargent starts and Dean Brill is on the bench. So your views on the team? I like it. Yeah, very attack-minded. Um, the way it was set up in the club tweeted um, sort of picture, if you like, was a sort of more like a four-five-one, but that could easily be a fluid four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. I like the um, the nature of how how um, Ross has set the team up. So yeah, for me, decent uh, with a, with a decent bench. Yeah, for me, decent team. Midfield looked very solid. Good opportunity for Sam Sargent to impress. Absolutely, shame about Charlie. We wish him. Uh, very well and hopefully there's nothing too serious about that I assume he'll be having a scan later yeah. in the week as so is usual yeah so the match kicked off on a cold and rainy Brisbane road and Sam Sargent was called into action early on in the first minute as Alibi was played in for Dover I was right through Sam stood tall made a very very good save when we really should have been one down really early on and that must have been great for Sam Sargent's confidence a great save yeah, shouldn't have been allowed to have been in a one-on-one. Sam shouldn't have been in that situation. We switched off literally on the get-go, but luckily he didn't. He was alert, came out and dealt with it. Dream start for, for Sam, Sam Sargent. Yeah, Could have absolutely. asked him for him in the first minute. That would have got his confidence up. Would have been very happy. You've got your head in your hands as we're reading that, so you want to <laughs> you want to give us your views? Or do we not need to? Well, I was laying on the cement on the balcony. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was you. That was you on the cement. I saw something. <laughs> something like so the first 20 minutes really were decent. Dover looked dangerous, but we were looking better. We were playing better football, getting the ball forwards more, being more direct. Uh, and trying to bring as many people um, into the game as possible. We looked a bit more tougher, yeah. a bit dirtier, a bit more like, well drilled. Okay, well, come on, let's let's see what you're made of. And not yeah. a, a bit like, we're going to go for these 50-50 tackles and we're going to win some of these and not back out. So that was great to see. In the 22nd minute, long ball over the top, catches out Woodison. Alibi got in behind the defence and just smashed over. But a minute later, Dover did take the lead. Alibi again cut the ball back. Uh, for Naughty, Naughty. What a great name. Who made no mistake uh, to put Dover a goal up. He finished it quite well into the bottom corner, giving Sargent a little chance. But again, that lapse of concentration and defending costs us. It was, and we went a goal behind. It was a well-placed goal from a Dover perspective because he's curled it right in. And I've seen lots of them go up and wide and, and, and all sorts of nonsense. But he actually placed that really well. Should he have been in a position to be allowed to do that 19, 20 yards out? No, absolutely not. So there's a defensive switch off there. And I spoke to Ross afterwards and he's obviously not happy about it because he said they'd done a lot of work on the training ground this week to stop that exact situation from happening. We switched off. We've been punished. Yep. It's it's just how it's been. Yep. Um, rest of the half uh, is played out. Uh, Ross Emerton in the dugout, clapping, encouraging his team forward. We look okay, but Dover looked dangerous in attack, and five minutes of time are added on due to Dover's Josh 
Paisley uh, getting injured. And in this time, James Brophy does really well, gets his shots away, uh, but swerves and Walker saves. Yeah, that was a good opportunity. Double really word at Brophy, actually. Yeah, and, and Walker did well to get down early and, and to push that. Yeah, he shot it to, to the wind, out. Yeah. to the ball, and keeper made a good save. And then from the rebound, he kind of miscontrolled it and the ball went out, which meant at half time we went in a goal down. And your, your views on the first half? Better passages of play at times. Uh, they look better drilled, seem to know their responsibilities more. However, I do feel we've been quite lucky with the first minute Sam Sargent save. Dover had a goal disallowed for a foul on Sargent that, for me, wasn't a foul and a penalty decision at least one penalty decision which for me was a stonewall penalty so lady luck was on our side in that half so it's about time we had that because yeah. we've been talking about luck and when Harold's effort went across to go after a head and all the rest of it it's about time we had some of that luck attendance announced of 4,540 with 537 Dover fans that was the top attendance again in the National League by about 400 um, so well done to all the fans making the journey, and I guess you guys must be delighted with the attendances it's we're getting. Unbelievable! It's fantastic. I'm still surprised we sit third in the average attendances, though, ahead of behind Tranmere and Wrexham. Not by much, but we do. Also, that we keep talking about is the away attendances as well. Some of the fantastic away attendances. I think there was 818 at Gillingham, um, and the away attendances haven't dwindled. I think there was no. 500 give or take at Ebbs Fleet. So brilliant to see. So second half kicks off. No subs for the O's. We looked a bit brighter. Starting the second half, uh, Dover Firing. still looking dangerous on the attack, but a bit more oomph and a bit more urgency about, about the play. Yeah, and in the 58th minute, James Brophy goes on an absolutely superb run, goes past, dinks his way past three and four players. Uh, unfortunately, he stopped at the last moment, but um, really that, was, that was, he was looking, him and James Dayton looked the most potent I've seen them look in all our games Brophy so looked very dangerous so in the 60th minute we've taken, this, we've taken a tweet from George Sessions because we couldn't really remember it because so much happened but we were so close to getting an equaliser Bond was denied by their keeper from the corner and it happened Sendles White almost put the ball in and then Bond looked like he was about to score and his shot was blocked on the line Connor all in the space of 15 seconds and we're sitting behind the goal just going <coughs> how is that ball not, not gone, gone in I guess you Knowing what you're like, you're probably up at the edge of, edge of the balcony about to... Ready to jump off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to jump off the balcony, but uh, uh, more concrete, yes. I yeah. was... I was uh, that was tough uh, to Obviously, it's, it, it's hard when you, when you want it so bad, when you want it so bad, and you're so close, and you know... Uh, that it that you're so close, it's really tough to take sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. They had lots of bodies on the line to they stop did. us, and they 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 defended well. They're a well drilled side, you can tell. Yeah. In the 65th minute, and we were having this conversation with people around us about bringing on the now mentioned Matt Harold, who replaced Alex Lawless as the O's went four four two. And for you, yeah, Bangor substitution. Yeah, right midfielder to come off as well. I think. Well, okay. Where we sit, people were saying, oh, Mac can come off, or Brophy come off, or Dayton. And I was like, no, if he takes Lawless off, he's got two good wingers and he's got two good central midfielders. So Lawless is the man to come off. And for me, Ross got that bang on, bang okay. on the money there. Yeah, Orient starting to come into the game more now. The crowd's starting to get behind the team more as Harold's introduction has given Orient more of a direct approach and more of an attacking threat. And to be quite honest with you, when Matt Harold. Uh, who was it? Bomb went up for the header. Harold was already running because he knew that Bomb would flick it on, and he and he got there. And that's just that what we don't get with with either Bond up top on his own or or whoever he might play alongside. But Matt Harold wasn't just going up and just winning knock-ons. He was controlling. He was bringing it down and holding the ball, which is so important because then it brings the rest of the the team in, which you don't we haven't seen that much of. So for mm. me, Ross is tactically bang on point. Yeah, I mean, not that I'm some expert, but for me, it looked. 
how it should be. Yep, and in the 78th minute, we finally equalised as Dayton and Clay combined well. Clay got the ball, cut back, took his shot, beat the keeper and deflected off Conor Essen as it was going in. And in the south stand, it just erupted. It was just brilliant when that went in. That ball was going in and it's hit, I don't think it was Essen, I think it was their right back, their little right back. Whoever it hit. Um, deflected we don't care, but it goes in. And just, it was just, it was just a massive relief as the ball went in, I thought. It was, we deserved it, we'd been unlucky, we had a few cleared off the line. It looked like it was going to be another frustrating day. Dover was sitting back and just as soon as it went in, you were just like, yes, now come on and go and win the game. I felt from that point, there was only one team who were going to go and win that game. Well done to Craig Clay for getting in that position and keeping his head. Yeah. And in the 85th minute, we almost nicked it as Dayton crossed into the far post for Bond who headed brilliantly, because at one point it looked like it was over his head, so he kind of arched his head back to get onto it, met the header, and somehow their keeper, Walker, saved it brilliantly, made a superb stop on the line, mm-hmm. and we were denied. I think a few people around us thought it was in, but I think TV replays have shown that it hadn't gone in. Nah. But he was almost, but a great save by their keeper, a match-winning save by their goalkeeper. Yeah, unlucky with Paulie Bond I don't think he could have done much more from the Nothing. angle he was at Obviously he did everything perfectly back. did everything for me perfectly three minutes of injury time are played the O's get a free kick in a dangerous position but Joby McEnough hits it just wide and the rest of the match is played out and the full time whistle goes as the O's grab a point to the delight of the Brisbane Road faithful and I think we haven't really mentioned enough Craig Clay was really in a much more advanced position I think Alex Lawless was the holding man but whereas Clay Clay previously had been the holding guy whereas Lawless was came forward uh, had, had been sort of pushed forward so for me Clay was really looked like he relished that more attacking forward position. Probably given a bit more freedom under Embleton yeah. than what he had under Steve Davis. That's probably a side to Clay that we him. haven't seen and probably one he'll enjoy playing under Ross. Yep, so after the match, I uh, was grateful uh, and lucky enough to speak to Ross Embleton. Um, and it's just over two minutes, so here's what Ross had to say. Two very different halves of football today. What did you say to the boys at half time? I said I wanted us to get, and I said I wanted us to get further up the pitch. And that's silly as that sounds, because you want to try and get as close to the goal as much as you possibly can. But there's a method in the way you have to do that. And the way that Dover set up, we knew they were going to pose the threat that they posed. We knew they were going to be try to match us up one v one all over the pitch on a lot of occasions. And we knew where we felt the spaces were going to be on the pitch. And at half time, I just said to the boys that you can't always pass the ball to people's feet, especially when you've got people that are tight and trying to make it difficult for you. There's going to be times when you have to maybe look for that obvious pass but miss it out and try and put it into a space so we were really keen to get Maka running down the sides of people and working in the spaces that we felt that other players were leaving because they were trying to play 1v1 and I think on occasions we did that and we got ourselves up the pitch before Matt come on but then when Matt come on it posed a different threat because we could pass the ball to him knowing that he could be a bit more of a target man and hold it up for us and he was a game changer yeah yeah from from our perspective sitting behind the the goal he was winning things in the air yeah and and what he did win he kept yeah no he's he's been um, Matt's been you know, as good a professional as anybody could have hoped since he's been here. You know, and I never doubted that. I never knew him before he came. But knowing the career that he's had, and you know, when you do your research on players that are coming to the club, I know that Matt was going to be a, a good professional, and he's shown that right the way through. I just felt sorry for him at times that he couldn't quite get going. Yeah. We know that when we get him on the pitch, we've got him to to pose that threat. We know we've got Macaulay Bonds in. I don't, there's not many in the league that have got Macaulay Bonds' energy and and desire and will to run. Yeah. Um, Matt will pose a different 
for it as with as with Dave Mooney as with as with Josh Garoma. Lovely. And fans were electric. Oh, yeah, electric different class. Yeah, there was a, there was. I said to him boys before the game that we have to set that tone and we have to make the tackle and put the crosses in and you know be aggressive to in, in terms of exciting the crowd. That's what they paid to come and watch. And we by no means did anyone disappoint. I thought the, fact the atmosphere in the second half was fantastic. Congratulations and thank you very much. So that was our own bearded legend speaking to Ross Embleton after the match. So thank you to Ross for speaking to Paul. Thank you to Charlie and everyone at the club for making that happen. So the league table in. So that draw means that the O's are 19th in the league as we have played 20, won 5, drawn 5, lost 10, 20 points and a goal difference of minus 9. So your views on yesterday, Mr Levy? Yeah, what a game. What an atmosphere. Well done to Ross and Dean for what I consider to be the best game of the season so far. Players show fight passion and determination for the shirt and players didn't shirk challenges. For me, as I said to, to Ross, there a game of two halves. The first half, we could have lost the game 3 or 4-0 had Sam Sargent not uh, been alert in the first minute. Also, Dover could feel aggrieved. They didn't get two penalties and their goal disallowed, which the ref said Sam was fouled by their man when he wasn't. We haven't had that kind of luck this season. However, what a remarkable difference the second half was. It shows what can happen with a decent game plan when everyone knows their jobs. Haven't seen Dayton and Brophy play like they did. And if I was in the opposition scout watching them today, I'd be very, very concerned. Thought they, along with Craig Clay, had their best games in an orange shirt today. Craig clearly looked comfortable in a more advanced role. Today felt like a win, not a draw. And yeah, finally, I, I spoke to Connor Essen post-match and he said we were the best that they've played this season. Wow. So well done to Ross. Yep, my view's in. A decent yep. point and unlucky not to take all three after a very good second half. I enjoyed the mood in the ground. The atmosphere was great, especially in the second half. South Sam was rocking. have to say a massive well done to Sam Sargent. Comes into the game at late notice. After he's not playing at 2.35 years, makes a great save in the first minute. And if that goal goes in, it's a completely different game. Poor defender for the first goal and gave him too much time. But like we said, Howell's introduction changed the game more physical. Howell bullied their defence, which was great to see. Uh, it gave the team an impetus and a target man up top that we've been missing. And after the equaliser, there was only one team who were going to go on and win the game. Uh, and barring a great save and some bad luck, I think we would have done so. So credit to us for getting the performance out of the team and for making the players fight for the shirt and enjoy uh, wearing the shirt and enjoy an enjoyable day at Brisbane Road. And I came away feeling proud of our team and I can't say we've, we've felt that too often as we've left Brisbane Road this season. So those were our views. Mr Teague, you want to give us your views on yesterday? It would be rude not to. <laughs> Um, no one likes losing. Yeah, it's um, you know I I don't want us to deserve to win. I want us to win, and um, you know I want the results to be better. Um, you know if I had my way, we'd have sixty points uh, instead of twenty. Um, but you know I'm not the one that makes that mm -hmm. specific decision. I like it when our team shows grit, um, and when we show a little fight and a lot of spirit. And I love it when our fans are behind the team and come on Orient comes out the minute we start to touch the ball and, you know, we start to move up the field. I, I love that. Um, I want us to win. That's what I want. And um, I care so much that it's probably a little bit more than I should. And so I am very frustrated when, because see, in America, if you don't win, you lose. So this whole draw thing, I'm a little unfamiliar <laughs> with. So uh, I don't know how to think of that. But uh, when I call my wife, uh, you know, after the match, I say, we drew. And she says, so you didn't win. And I say, right. 
So that just gives you the mindset. So we're coming at it maybe a little bit different. I do understand that it was and potentially could be an extremely valuable turning point in our season yesterday. We believe we have the talent, we have the ability uh, to do great things in the second half of the season and the next 26 games. And that's what we're focused on is the next 26, not the previous 20. I wish that it was 10-5-5, not 5-5-10. Five, five, mm. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. absolutely. I think you made a great point about saying the team shows grip and then the crowd get behind the team. And I think that's a two-way thing. I think if the team shows grip and the crowd get behind them, and I think if once the crowd get behind them, they show more grit, and it keeps working back and forth. And if you don't have that grit, then the crowd are flat. And if Agreed. the crowd are flat, the players back up. Yeah, it's right. a bit so, chicken and egg. So yeah, very important. You know, I, I, I will say this. Uh, outside of Dover fans, which they did a great job. They were very supportive of their team, and mm. we're glad that they all made the trip. Um, you know, it was very quiet right after their goal. It was just very quiet. Mm. And uh, so I just think our fans were waiting to see how our players would respond. And I think that Ross helped them respond appropriately. Yeah, yeah I would agree cool. with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we forgot to put a disclaimer in before when we were talking about the Steve Davis tweet. So we get loads of tweets in. Um, and although we read them out, we don't necessarily agree with all of them. So that was just our disclaimer. So we got a whole load of tweets yesterday, mainly very positive, that we'll touch upon view that we got so if you want to start them off yeah Paul Arbuthnot said Paul underscore Arbuthnot said that was a heart and soul performance by Leighton Orient against the league leaders we were the better team and deserved more than a draw something to build on yeah Matty LOFC Evans says a decent point could and should have won at the end Ross must have done a John Sitton at half time hashtag respect the point at Sam Pretty underscore LOFC much much better performance today compared to previous games much more desire and passion on the pitch which was good to see. Still a few areas to improve on, but much better. There's a few key words that you know you want to see as a supporter. Desire, passion. It's things that we haven't been able to mention over the last couple of weeks. That's a really good tweet there from Sam. At do you pedal underscore TW says, how didn't we win that game? The formation play looked good. The players were the best they have in a while and a lot more confident again. Although the final ball still needs a bit of work. Brophy was on fire and Clay had his best game for us. So fits into what you said. Yep, Steve Jones 177 said, really enjoyed that game, would have taken a draw before the game, but feel disappointed we didn't win. I've been a big critic of Clay, but today he was immense, and I sit in that camp as well. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Uh, apart from the final product, it is hard to criticise any performance. One thing I noticed different today was from the outset, Orient looked to get the ball forward a lot quicker rather than slowing it up and playing through the midfield. It meant that the midfield were always moving forward and not static, much more effective. Yeah, at Rekka Blue it's the same as two weeks ago. A good second half, but a poor first. Good to get a point against a top-of-the-table team. Very good chances to win it, but football is a 90-minute game. Sergeant was very good, though, and needs to start from now on. Yeah, Gorillas1985 said, We play for Ross today. Lots of closing down, lots of good link-up play, lots of forward moves. We were more positive today. How Bond's header didn't go in, I'm not sure. Man of the match was Brophy. Great save by Sergeant after two minutes as well. Hashtag roll on Tuesday. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, is people are now looking forward to the next game. Yeah, and it's been a while since you could say, oh, what are you doing on Tuesday? Yeah. I'm going down to Orion. <laughs> and Bradley Ackers, 95, says, we'd have taken a point against the league leaders at the start, and we could have beat them if we had more luck, but it shows the mentality of teams in this league when the top team tries to time waste against a team 
the inner relegation places from the first minute. Yeah, S. Churchett said, Harold changed the game. We were struggling to make it stick, but he gave us a means of being more dynamic going forward, which kept the pressure on. Dover will be pleased with the point, having cleared three off the line. Yeah. Great, great point. Joe underscore Pavitt says, we played with some heart for the first time in ages. Looks like we really wanted it. And for the first time in a while... I'm looking forward to the next game. So yeah, there you go. That's the point, yeah. At Lenin 4 said, In that second half, I saw a team that wanted to put the result right. They wanted that so badly, and I'm delighted that their efforts have earned something from the game. At Les OK52 says, Brophy's second half performance was outstanding, especially when he nearly went through the whole defence on his own. Really <laughs> looks like a class above this league. Orient Fan TV said, Best performance for a long, ti- long, long time. Could have and should have won that game, considering the chances we had in the second half. Great fighting spirit shown by all today and something to build yeah, on. Yeah, Vince Howard, 73, says that second half was more like the Yos of four years ago, played with purpose and desire. I hope Ross, whoever becomes the coach, has now seen that anything other than a 4-4-2 is just wasting everyone's time. And again, more keywords there that you'd want to see for your team. Purpose, desire, all words that we haven't been able to say over the last couple of weeks. London Gary W said good result and a much improved performance overall the players seemed to know what was expected of them with a simple formation midfielders did their job in tracking back for the defence let's see what happens on Tuesday with a must win game yeah, a pint of wallops it's thought the second half was pretty much all us and Dover settled for a 1-0 glad Sargent had been given a chance and Bond was full of running Caprice put some good balls into the box play like that on Tuesday and we'll win at RP Bernstein said, Who knew Brophy had so much pace? Top performance from him. A fantastic effort from the team. Can't ask much more than that. Just need that bit more quality in front of goal or a bit of luck. Yeah, at Paul Crouchman says, Best we have played for ages. Unlucky to have shared the points. We could have easily won this game. How important though could that point be? Yeah. Yeah, only one team said, Second 45 was the best half of football all season. Team played some good football, moved the ball well and were more effective. Unlucky not to win. Finally showed some desire and played like a team. Play like that and we'll win more than we lose. Yeah, this, this is, is a good point. This actually. is probably my favourite tweet coming up from the weekend. At Dish Juice says, Put simply, I came away today from the game with a bit of a smile after not giving up performance. Well done, boys. Hashtag our club. Yeah. That for me is a supporter. That was my favourite, I think. At Orient Buccaneer said, It looked like we were going to lose a game while being the better team. Like a lot of decent like a lot of recent games, but I'm pleased we got the minimum we deserved for a better team performance. Loudest I've heard Brisbane Road in a long time. Yeah, the final word in on Dover comes from that Spello 011 who says, I thought we never gave up and fully deserved to have one that match at the end. And the singing and atmosphere was great to be part of. The only way is up. So thank you for all the tweets we got into at Orient Outlook. They were all tweets that we received. Um, and thank you for all your Instagram and Facebook messages over the past week and keep up your tweets. So this has been a bit of a bumper show. So let's um, move towards the end of the show. Now, prediction league update. So um, I hadn't actually clocked how many correct results there actually were. So yeah. well done to <gasps> Stephen Orin, at Late Norrie, at London Gary W, Sonny P32, CM Oriental, Ian K. Richardson, Atkinson underscore Neil, Lawton Gams, O's Van Basing, Elmo John 7, Wings Mad, JC underscore 1881 Orion. At Fleety, LOFC, Samuel LOFC 97, Giorgio Irwin, uh, Bucko 551, who all correctly predicted one all in today's match. But a huge, huge, huge well done, and kudos to you for getting this. At Jack Smith 7 and at D Ward underscore 7, who predicted one all and Craig Clay to score. Yes, yeah, all predictions. That takes some doing. So well done to you all. The full prediction league table is available on our Facebook page. And the top three are as follows. So Samuel LOFC leads on 15 points with Lawton Gamps and Unexpected Item Zero on 14 points. And Nice Shot Steve, Smith Jack 7 and Tony Unscott and Tony all on 13 points. And as always, thank you for all your predictions. 
Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to today, the 19th of November, the ladies' team were in action in the Capital Cup quarterfinal versus Denham, who they played a couple of weeks ago and beat yeah, them 2-0. Right. Uh, they won 4-1 today with goals from Hayley B, Bellin Ripple and a double from Sophie Lemarchant. So we don't sadly have a lot of time um, on the podcast for, to go through the ladies' team in depth, but you were there today. I was. What so was, was Nigel and, and, Rich. and Rich. We were yeah. all there. Uh-huh. And what was the game like? It was fantastic, yeah. Uh, you know, our, our women's team is very skilled. Uh, they play an excellent form of, of football. They're very intelligent, uh, the way they move the ball and, and the triangles that they create and, the, and just the way that they do it. Chris sets them up really, really well. And they play, to, they play together very, very well. They've played together for a long time. So, um, yeah, they're, understanding they're, that they it, yeah, they're just, it, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's very exciting to watch um, because it's, I mean, they are they are very very good. And you've done a lot of work with the women's team. That's something that you're very proud of. As, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy it's easy to uh, to do work with them. I mean, they make it easy on us, and Chris makes it easy on us. So yeah, we um, I mean, we enjoy the relationship that we have with them. It's great. See that being more integral in the future. Um, I I mean, it just, you know it, it just sort of depends on how it goes. Uh, the FA is sort of rearranging and reshuffling uh, the women's leagues. Uh, so we'll just have to see what they come up with and how that all goes. So there's a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty in that in that area right now. Um, but you know, we fully expect that we'll have a women's team forever. But uh, you know, at what level or how they're you know how they're uh, constructed and all that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a work in progress. Good to hear, and hopefully yeah, they, they have another promotion to celebrate coming into the season because they've been yeah. flying the last couple of years. Yep, they have been. Yep. Um, so one thing we picked up on that we haven't mentioned in the week that was, um, there was a statement about disciplinary and regulatory matters that have recently been concluded. Um, it, can you tell us anything about that? This is the this is the uh, press release that we put out um, in sort of in relationship with the football league mm. that you're talking about. That's I can't, correct. I, I really can't comment on okay. on that statement other than what's written in the statement. Right. Okay. Um, so that's what happened. So yeah, f- fancy football. Fancy update. football update. I was just getting up on my phone because I forgot to do it. So currently, top of the Orient Outlook fantasy football league is Tim Roberts on seven hundred points. So well done to Tim. Close change from the last time, isn't it? it changed on a week to week basis. Yeah. It must be really seventy players, I think, at the moment. Sophie Henderson is in second on six hundred and eighty-seven points, and Danny Fedden in third at six hundred and eighty-six points. I am an 122nd having He's moved up. Yeah, I moved up 11 well places. So it's a marathon, not a sprint. We'll see who's there in April. May come about, but I'm getting there. So right. Very positives good, so. and negatives then. Positives. Yeah. Uh, performance on Saturday. Yeah, outstanding. Much better. The atmosphere in Brisbane Road. The under-18s results. And yeah. I'll say the ladies' result as well in the Capital Cup. Yeah, let's give it to them. Yeah. today. Absolutely. So negatives then. Conceded a poor goal uh, on Saturday. Second negative, Granger's injury in the warm-up. And I think that's about it for the games, yeah. unless you've got a third. Well, I put, sadly, a good man lost his job this week, but, you know, it was the right thing to do. But it's just, if he wasn't a nice man, then it wouldn't like you wouldn't even put it. But the fact that Steve was a good guy, and it is a shame that he's lost his job. Anyway. Anyway, we we're going to move on. This. So, hero of the week. Then. So, we were both pretty um, conclusive about this. 100%, one, right? yeah. yeah. See our technology here and how we work here, <laughs> professional outfit here. Best. So well done to Ross Embleton. Yeah, well done to Ross Embleton. 
So well done. Well, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So next week's fixtures, we've got two fixtures, massive, massive fixtures for us in the coming week. Tuesday night, the 21st of November, we welcome Chester to Brisbane Road. They've got 17 points and a 21st in the National League after drawing one all away at Bromley yesterday, which is a pretty good result, uh, to be fair. Then on Saturday, the 25th of November, we travel to Playmore to take on Torquay, who are bottom of the National League on 11 points after losing 2-0 away at Fylde yesterday. Additionally, on Wednesday the 22nd of November, the youth team are in action at Brisbane Road where they'll be taking on Scholing FC. The match kicks off at 7.30, so please do get yourself down there if you can and support the youth. If the boys win, they will take on West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns in the third yeah. round. Now, I remember going to Leicester, last, Leicester year, last year, didn't I? Yeah. I did, yeah. Um, back to Chester, on Friday we announced... Uh, a competition giving you and a plus one the chance to join us in hospitality on Tuesday courtesy of the club's principal sponsor Energy Bet. So, so actually what we're going to do now live on the podcast is ask Kent for a number between 1, one and, and 88 because we've had 88 retweets for this and we're going to ask you to please give a number between 1 and 88 and that person will be joining us in the Olympic suite with on a table next to you possibly uh, for a meal when on Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday. At yeah, for a yeah. yeah, fifty-five. Fifty-five. Okay. One. I'm not going to make it easy on him. <laughs> make him come down through. 55. So while Steve's counting that, <laughs> shall I carry on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. So um, just to really sort of wrap up while Steve's uh, counting up fifty-five, it's been another busy week for the O's. As Steve Davis left the club on Tuesday morning, many fans feeling the right decision was made as Martin and the board looked to take the squad forward following the poor run of form. Ross Embleton was put in charge on an interim basis uh, and in his first match he already has the players playing for him as they battled to a well-fought and well-deserved one-all draw against the league leaders Dover no less. It was great to hear Brisbane Road really making some noise and it would be great to hear the same again on Tuesday as we go into a massive week with the games against Chester and Torquay and hopefully we'll be talking about another two fantastic performances so, and wins we have a winner Lynn. so congratulations to at Joel Bayford who will be joining us on Tuesday so we'll put out a tweet congratulating and Joel DM and him. we will DM Joel so well done to Joel so Ken you're in London until Wednesday Wednesday okay. so you're here for the Chester game absolutely and then go home so thank you for joining us yep. thank you for staying on you always really a pleasure a final, a final message a final farewell this time to the uh, in all things just remember that criticizing the performance is not the same thing as criticizing the performer. We criticize the players at times. Sometimes they take it well. Sometimes they may not take it so well. Mm. But remember that we really do appreciate the performers. Uh, and we really do appreciate what they do. And that includes people like Martin Ling and the staff. And we, I was really, really... Uh, taken by the fans uh, on Saturday. It was really fantastic. I thought that our fans helped our club will a draw. And I really think uh, they were set up very well for a win. I'm disappointed we didn't get that, but I think our fans were just fantastic. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was great to be a part yeah, of as well. Yeah, it was it really was. It's great. Where we at? So we're going to be back with episode number 123 next week, as usual, with all the information and views that you could ever need. Yep. If you listen on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a review. 
And if you're listening on SoundCloud, tune in the Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. If you have an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast, grab their phone or their PC or their tablet or whatever they have, download it for them, get it playing, and introduce them to the Orient Outlook podcast. I know we've said it before, but a massive thank you to Kent, to, to Nigel, Nigel, and to for Rich. Rich for coming on. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast at an hour 40. It's quite a long one, but we hope you found it um, engaging. We hope you've enjoyed it. And that's it. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.